Good morning, everybody. My name is Sarah, and I'm the kids pastor and also uh, the wife of this man here. And this is Aaron. He's the lead pastor. And we are tag teaming this message this morning as we go another week into this F is for Family series. And if you have missed out, this has just been so fantastic. You can catch up on the messages on our website. Um, but we've been talking about how every single one of us is in a family on purpose. And not one of our families is perfect. So there's no pressure because every single one of us is in some kind of a family that has dysfunction. Um, and the beauty is that God has a purpose and a plan for all of that. And there's a reason you're in the family you're, you're, that you're in. And so as we have been walking through the series, we've been looking at practical ways for us to try to just build healthy relationships in our families. And it's been really great. And this morning, I'm super excited because we're talking about conflict. conflict. Yeah. <laughs> and so before we jump into the message, let me, let me just say this, um, if you'll excuse me, I am fighting a cold, and I've been coughing and um, fever and achy all week. And so if I cough a little bit, please excuse me. If I'm not out shaking everyone's hand, you can appreciate that because I don't want to spread my germs. So I promise I'm not trying to be antisocial, but um, I'm trying to stay a little bit away so that I don't um, spread any of this. But every week we're talking about how we want to invest in families. And so again this week, you have a chance to sign up for the family getaway that we're giving at the end of this series. And you can just text your name to this number right here. And I'm thankful for my family. Even if you're not, just go ahead and text it in. Okay. And we Stay will... Yeah, we're going to, at the end of this series, we're going to pick one family. The more that you're here, the more times you get to text in, the better chance you have of winning. We're going to pick a family and tailor it around your family. So if you have young kids, we'll do something exciting that you guys will enjoy. Um, if you don't have kids, if that's not your season of life, we're going to do something that'll be relaxing and just um, that you can get away at. So we're looking at this idea of conflict this morning and... I'm not going to make us talk about our biggest fight, okay? So we're not going to do that. But when I think about conflict, growing up, my dad came from an alcoholic family. And so my grandfather on my dad's side um, had a lot of brokenness in his life before he came to know Christ. And so my dad didn't have a great role model. So when I think about conflict in our family, it was a lot of yelling. Um, a lot of us are strong-headed in the Escamilla household. And so I thought I was right. My dad knew that he was right. And so a lot of conflict ended up in, you know, raised volumes and it was very heated debates. And so that's what it looked like a lot when I thought about conflict. And my family was the polar opposite. We avoided conflict at all costs. I joke a lot because my dad and I fought a lot whenever I was a teenager, but we never spoke. Uh, we wrote letters to each other and slid them under each other's doors, and that's how we argued. Um, and so I think both of my parents came from uh, very strong German fathers before them who were very loud and very argumentative. And, and so my parents kind of backed down from that and came, that, came from that more passive-aggressive approach. So yep. it was very exciting when Aaron and I got together and have had to figure this out, wrestling with how do we yeah. actually healthfully then handle conflict. Yeah, because... Yelling's not the best option. Avoidance is the, isn't the best option. So let's look at God's word this morning and see what God's word says about conflict in families. And so if you have your Bibles, turn this morning to James chapter four, and we're going to start reading at verse one. And if you didn't bring a Bible with you, that's okay. There's a Bible in the seat in front of you, and it may be one or two seats over, but you can grab that 
and turn to page 587 in that Bible and follow along with us as we look at this. This letter is over thousands of years old, but obviously families look the same and they still had the same issues and, and there were disagreements. And so James is writing to the early church and he gives us this insight about conflict. It says this, James chapter four, verse one, what causes quarrels and what causes fights among you? Is it not this, that your passions are at war within you? You desire and you do not have, so you murder. You covet and cannot obtain, so you fight and you quarrel. You do not have because you do not ask. You ask and do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your own passions. And so one translation says there, um, it's your own selfish desires. It's your own selfish desires. And what it is, what it comes down to in families, whenever there is conflict, it's because we want it our way. You know, whether it's with a spouse, whether, you know, it's kids, you know, parents to kids or kids to parents, it's that I want it my way. And so this argument erupts, there's, there's disagreement, there's conflict there because I'm seeing it my way. And the beauty of a family is that you get different perspectives, okay? That life isn't only about you, and I know that's hard at times, but that we're called there to serve one another and to love one another. And so that's what James is talking about here. Really, when we're arguing, when there's conflict, it's because our own selfish desires are involved in that. Yeah, and just to put everybody at ease, not one of us in the room is completely unselfish. You don't have to teach a toddler to say mine or to fight over a toy. It's natural. It's ingrained in our nature. And so every single one of us and every relationship we come to, we bring this selfish nature. We want things our way. We see things from our own perspective. And it's so hard for us to understand why someone else can't climb into our heads and see through our eyes. And so every single one of us comes with this selfish nature but then in a family, we have this really magnificent opportunity to learn to serve one another, to learn, as Aaron said, to see things from another person's perspective. And that prepares us to be better servants in every area of our lives. Yeah. And so this morning, we want to share with you just three tips. Okay, the holidays are coming up. You're going to be around that annoying cousin, right? So how do you deal with conflict as it comes to family? So we want to give you three things, and we're going to give you some Bible verses. You may not have a chance to turn to all of these, but write them down. You can look at them later. And so the first place we want to look is Proverbs chapter 13, verse 12. Proverbs 13, 12 says this, hope deferred makes the heart sick. But a desire fulfilled is the tree of life. So hope deferred makes the heart sick, but desire fulfilled is the tree of life. What does this verse mean? Well, it speaks to that idea that we all have these expectations, right? We all have these hopes and, and these thoughts in the, in the way that our family should go. And when those expectations aren't met, there's frustration there, right? There's anxiety. Your heart is sick. But when those are met, like when those things are fulfilled and when a family is operating in a healthy way, it's actually life-giving to you. So the way that we say this is the gap between expectation and reality is frustration. Okay. That gap between expectation and then the way things really go, the reality of things, that gap right there is frustration. And so expectation is, I thought you would. Expectation is, I thought that you would buy me a gift for my birthday because you're my husband and you love me. It's getting um, personal, you guys. <laughs> I thought that my parents would come to my sports games every single time. I thought that you would be home when you said you were going to be home. I thought that that annoying uncle would not bring up that 
politics thing at the, the Thanksgiving table this year. But he did. And so whenever our expectations aren't met, we're met with this really rude reality. Yep. And so reality is what you actually did. Okay. This is the real world. So this is, um, I know I was supposed to buy you a gift for your birthday. I'm sorry, but I forgot it was your birthday. Like, honestly, I, I forgot. Right. Or, um, man, I got too busy. I wanted to be there at my kid's sports game, but I got too busy or there was an unexpected meeting. And so that's why I'm getting home an hour late, you know, a lot later than I thought I would be here. Reality is, is what actually happened. Okay. And I not, I know a lot of those are excuses and sometimes they are, but sometimes they're just the real world around us that things come up and things happen. And so the bigger that gap between expectation and reality, the larger the frustration do you guys see that? Frustration, it happens once again in every family. It can be kids, you know, students. What you're feeling towards your parents is you had an expectation, but the reality didn't meet that, okay? I thought you were going to get me a bigger Christmas gift, but obviously you're Scrooge, okay? So um, that gap is pretty big there, right? And so that, that's what causes the frustration in our families, and we all get frustrated with one another. Yeah, we all come in to every relationship with, uncommunicated expectations. We just do. And if you've been married for a little while, you know this very, very well. I expected that you were the man and you were going to take out the trash whenever it gets near the top of the bin. But no matter how much stacking goes on, you don't do it. Uh, and, and we don't communicate these expectations often. They're just living inside of our heads. And so the goal here is to communicate, to create this bridge of communication so that that frustration gap gets shorter and shorter, okay? And that is, hey, I feel special whenever you buy me a gift. I know gifts aren't a big deal to you, but they kind of are to me, and I would love it if you would do this. I, I know a pastor's wife who actually puts the times that she wants flowers or gifts on her husband's schedule so that he knows to do it, okay? We want someone to want to do something, and we want them to read our minds and know that that's what we want, but that's just not reality. That's movies. And so we have to communicate what we want. We have to communicate those expectations. And it doesn't take away all the frustration. Sometimes there's still going to be a little bit there, because we're, but we're meeting in the middle, okay? We're creating a little bit more of a close gap that we can bridge through some discussions yep. and maybe even a little bit of arguing. Yeah. So remember that hope deferred makes the heart sick, but a desire fulfilled is a tree of life. So what do we do when we have those frustrations? Like how do we handle that um, when that disagreement happens? Well, we fight fair. And this is hard. Yes. This is a learned skill. Uh, I remember going through premarital counseling, and I knew all the right answers, but what came down to it, fighting fair is hard. But this is what this is in basics. Don't go hysterical or historical, okay? Hysterical is my emotions have taken over the discussion. Historical is I have just brought out my little notebook of all the past things that you have ever done against me and we're gonna have a talk through those. I can see everyone elbowing the person <laughs> sitting next to you. <laughs> so Ephesians chapter four, verse 26, it says this, be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger. Yeah. And I love that verse because it talks about 
your feelings have a place in relationships, okay? So you're going to get frustrated, you're going to get angry, and that's actually not a sin, okay? That's just being human. It's being around other people. It, it happens there. And so um, Ephesians is talking about that. Be angry, but don't allow that, that anger to, to lead you into sin, don't let it lead you into a place where you shouldn't be. And also that anger should not stay there in your relationships. Okay. It's going to happen. You're going to get frustrated, but it shouldn't stay there that you deal with that. Don't let the sun go down on your anger. So the conversations, you know, once again, fighting fair that needs to happen so that it doesn't remain kind of this underlying thing in your relationships there. And so I love this verse for that. So thinking practically, what does it look like to go hysterical in case you don't know? <laughs> Some of you are already smiling at me because at me you're like, oh, I, I know when I'm going hysterical. But when your feelings take over, okay, feelings can't think. Someone said this, don't think with your feelings because your feelings have no capacity to think. When we went through foster parenting training, we actually learned that when you get into that fight or flight part of your brain and your brain feels threatened and it's going off, your logic turns off in your brain. You are no longer thinking logically. You are responding in a crisis. You don't want to fight that way. Okay. Don't lead with your feelings. Your feelings indicate something. Okay, and we learn from them, but we don't lead with them. We also don't go historical. What does that look like? Okay, um, if you're like me, you do naturally keep track of certain things that other people do against you. Okay, um, and it takes you a little bit longer to forgive and move on. But when you're having a conversation, deal with what is going on now. Don't go back five years. Don't start bringing up all the past stuff. When you start hearing yourself say things like you always, or this happens all the time. Something's unresolved there. And maybe you're catching on to some conversations you should have had a long time ago. Um, and that needs to be brought up again in a reasonable fashion. It also means this, that you don't Go way back and, and punish someone in your current life for something that happened way back when. Practically, I've done this. Again, I'm an open book. Um, Aaron, some years back, he bought himself an iPad. I think it was your first iPad, yeah, wasn't it? Yeah, I think it? it was. If you don't know, he's a huge Apple fan. Okay, so he had got his first iPad, and he'd held off. Okay, everyone around us had their iPad. And we had the money. It wasn't that we didn't have the money, but he bought this iPad. And I found myself really frustrated with him about it. And thankfully, I didn't respond in my feelings right away. I thought about it, but I hadn't quite gotten there yet. And I'm talking to him about it. And I'm like, oh, I just feel like when you do this, you're being so selfish. Like you're taking money and you're just spending it on yourself. And I realized, first of all, he'd bought me a gift at the same time. Just set that off to the side. Um, but I realized what I was doing is I came from a home where my father, when he was a drug addict, was taking money and using it for himself. And, and I was punishing Aaron because of my past. And I was projecting all this stuff from how things had happened in my home on him. And I, I didn't realize it until I was able to set aside my feelings and have some really productive conversations. And yeah. so I think it's really important that we keep that at the front of our minds. Yeah. And so there needs to be time. There needs to be a time where you can talk about that. And so just practically, Sarah and I, we have our date night and we try to do that um, once a week or once every other week. And I know that there's going to be a moment in our date night where we have an open conversation about that. And so, hey, and this is how it usually goes. Hey, I've been feeling 
this going on inside of me, or I've been trying to process through this, or when you do this, this is how I feel about that. So help me understand like your heart in that. And so it's a time where it's not in the moment of a heated conversation. Okay. It's not when an argument, you know, or I'm already frustrated or emotionally charged. It's at a different time where we can have a logical conversation about how we can help one another or serve one another. Students in this room, you can call a family meeting, okay? You have the right to do that, to go to your parents and say, hey, I need to talk about this. Not when you're in the moment of an argument, not when you're frustrated at your mom or dad, but just saying, hey, can we just sit down at a different time and can we have a conversation about some of these things that I'm feeling and what's going on inside of me once again? And so having that separate time where you can fight fair, you know, where you can talk about some of these things is vital in dealing with conflict, um, conflict inside of our family. So when you disagree and you can't come together on that agreement, what do you do? Proverbs chapter 15 verse 1 says this, a soft answer turns away wrath, but harsh words stir up anger. So a soft answer turns away wrath, but harsh words stir up anger. And so this is how we say it in the Escamilla household, agree to disagree and walk away. And there are numerous times throughout the week, if you were in our house, that you would hear one of our kids say this to the other person. Okay, agree to disagree. Walk away right now. And, and so, you know, it's that moment where you're saying, hey, we're not seeing this from the same perspective. We're not seeing this from the same point of view. That's okay. We're going to disagree about this. Like, we're not going to see this the same, but we can still love one another. Yeah, I think what's really dangerous is our culture right now sells this idea that if you don't agree with me, you don't love me. And that's bogus, okay? Because if you try to get your family to agree on where to go to dinner, you know right then. You cannot get anybody to agree on something all of the time. You're in a family. There's different perspectives. And so you have to make this fair and you have to know, hey, there's going to be times where I love you dearly, but I disagree with you. And that is okay. In fact, as the body of Christ, we should be setting this example because Jesus did this, you know, multiple times. And so if, if you're in a situation where uh, even outside of the family, maybe with your boss or someone who's in authority over, over you, students, if it's your parent and you're like, I just at my core disagree with this. If it's not going against the word of God and it's not unethical, you submit to their leadership and you submit to their authority and you serve through the disagreement because that's the beauty of this body. It's the beauty of the family, again, is that we learn to take this lower level of service, set aside our personal opinions and, and our preferences, and we learn to just set that example by serving and loving regardless of how we feel. Yep. And so I, I want to tell you, you're going to sit down at the Thanksgiving table, okay? You're going to be at your family's house and that uncle, aunt, cousin is going to bring up their political views, okay? And you can argue till you're blue in the face. It's not going to change their mindset of why they think that way. And so you're going to have to just say that, hey, we're going to disagree about this, and, and that's okay. But it's not going to be productive for us to continue to talk about this. And so once again, so many of those things are style or preference, you know, or personal opinion. And we don't need to let that divide us as a family. And so as we were talking about this, you know, 
there's so many times in family life where we need an outside opinion, where we need someone else who's not right in the middle of it to speak wisdom and to give us insight into those things. Yeah, I know there have been times, uh, and again, um, both of us come from dysfunction, all of us come from dysfunction, where we've needed someone outside of us. And I didn't grow up in a home where like going to a counselor or talking to another wise mentor or person was demonstrated or communicated at all. But thankfully, God placed a marriage and family therapist in my life when I was at college. She needed a work study. I needed a work study position. And I got to work with her and really see that what she did was so phenomenal and such a ministry. And she helped me. She helped us. She was did our premarital counseling. And I'm so thankful because I began to understand that this role of having an outside third-party counselor can be such a powerful thing. And of course, no surprise, the Bible talks about this repeatedly. Uh, the first verse that comes to mind for me is Proverbs 15:22. It says, without counsel, plans fail, but with any, many advisors, they succeed. And so often, you guys, we need that outside person. We need an outside professional to look at us and go, okay, this is what I see. They listen and they help walk us through healing and, and really making some progress in some areas. And it's uh, going to a counselor has this connotation of, I have something wrong with me. No, you, you don't. You're just human. And sometimes we need that outside person to bring us back to reality and walk through some healthy habits yep. with us. So we have a good friend, and a matter of fact, he was a part of our church before he moved away named Peter Pignon, and he's a licensed counselor, and he serves churches here in the North Texas area. And so I had the opportunity to sit down and talk with him um, about this idea of conflict and just wanted his opinion. And so we're going to take a moment and just look at that recorded video and hear his perspective as he deals with families and conflict. So go ahead and watch this. Hey, Peter. So thanks so much for giving us a little bit of your time and jumping into this F is for family series. Oh, yeah. And I value, you know, your friendship and also your perspective as a counselor. And so I want you to take a moment and just talk to, you know, talk to us about what you see causing a lot of conflicts in the family unit. I, I was surprised when I started making some observations here, but it's, it's really connection. Mm -hmm. um, when, what, what causes conflict is a feeling or a perception of disconnection that we have in the family unit because it, it, is, it is like one body. Mm -hmm. And when there's that disconnection, um, that's what usually makes the conflict rise up. But that disconnection could be interpreted by not taking out the trash or not completing other chores or paying mm -hmm. a bill or... I mean, whatever the surface level issue is, that that's what uh, that's what we think the conflict is. But it's really saying I don't feel connected to this family, or because you didn't do this, I don't feel like you want to be connected. So yeah. it all has something underlying to do with connection. Um, but that's what that's what makes it even harder because then you start fighting about the surface level issue. Yeah, and just end up feeling more and more disconnected. Mm -hmm. So I think one of the big problems that we need to see is how can we connect through this conflict. Yeah. And, and then, then you can then you can solve uh, solve the problem or do some problem solving. Yeah. After that. And I love that. Yeah. Just that connection, the communication that has to happen um, along those lines to really make a family unit su successful, a marriage successful in those different issues that we go through. So, hey, the second question I wanted to throw at you was when you're you know, when you're in that moment, you know, what you're talking about there and there's, you know, tension in the room, you could feel that between a parent and a kid, you know, between um, married spouses, what can you do? What are some suggestions or tips that you have to de-escalate the situation? I think one of the, the biggest 
things that I learned from sports is the timeout is just just saying, hey, we need to take a timeout. And, and a timeout is different from avoiding conflict. A timeout is different from a forfeit. Yep. And so it has to be specific timed. I mean, there has to be time uh, that's five minutes, an hour, a few hours. You have to reschedule. Hey, you know what? Right now I'm getting really heated or I can tell this is upsetting you. I, I want us to be able to sort our thoughts out and, and, and then calm down and then we're going to come back and we're going we're to work on this. Because again, once you, the emotions get so high, you're already, you're already believing that this person doesn't want to be connected to you, that they don't care. And so that's what's hurting you, and that's when we end up saying things that we don't mean, but then you can't go take them back. Yeah. So if you can just call a timeout, and it doesn't have to be this, like you don't have to have this, but I, I don't mind. Yeah. I don't mind. Some kids understand that. Some couples can understand it and say, you know what, right now, this conversation is more destructive than constructive, so we better just we better reconvene and, and take some time. But um, my, my caution there is that it's not sweeping it under the rug. Mm-hmm. It's not avoiding. It, it, there has to be, okay, you know what? You know, you go, go to your room, or I'm going to go to my room. I'm going to pray about this. It doesn't have to be super spiritual, but it could be. I mean, the Lord helps us yeah. calm down. So we go, take some time, and then we, we, we come back, and we say, okay, yeah. I, I'm feeling more calm, and I just want you to know that here's, here's the big deal here. I want you in my life. I love you, son, or I love you, my wife, or whatever it is affirm the desire for connection yeah and because i'm so committed to you in this connection i believe we can solve this problem i think we can brainstorm here let's think about options here yeah I love, otherwise it's like let I me tell that. you how to solve this problem because if you don't and like just it, it's 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 so much against the person instead of the problem yep i think you got to separate that because if you say i love this person and i want to work this out with this person let's focus on the problem and let's go after that. So yep. it's almost like remembering who the real enemy is. Yep. Love that perspective. Okay. The last question I want to throw your way is, you know, in family life, in marriage life, in these relationships God gives us, the other person maybe isn't always as willing. And so if you're dealing, you know, with a spouse or maybe a teenage um, son or daughter who doesn't want to get counseling, who doesn't want to sit down and talk it out, what's the recommendations that you give for someone in that situation? I think um, we're never going to get to the place where we were, where God's going to answer the prayer for us to be strong enough to do things by ourselves. Mm-hmm. So inviting somebody else in, whether that's a peer, whether that's a parent, if it's a child, or or a pastor, or a counselor, so professional. Yeah. There's all these different people that you can invite in, and um, it really is beneficial for the person that is willing to get help to go get help and start that off. Yeah start that off because that's I've done marital therapy without the other person mm-hmm. and some counselors aren't willing to do that but I think that it's, it's helpful because if you can help the other person change their perspective and see and understand this big idea that we're talking about of connecting through conflict because because I think that that can help them say okay this person my spouse is not the problem mm-hmm. the problem is the problem and so even helping the, that other, the other spouse or the child or the parent understand what the real problem is, yeah. there's a lot of help that can come from that, from being able to externalize and get support in that way. So then they go back into that family system and they're, they're more open to responding instead of just reacting and letting yeah. things escalate. So there's a lot of communication skills. There's a lot of conflict management skills that one, just one family member can learn that will in fact impact the whole system. Yeah. Because, because uh, uh, we can't ever underestimate 
the power of one person's influence in a family in a family body. Yep. So I think I think you just you start with with what you got, and whoever's willing to go. You know, I've met with just uh, one spouse and a child. Yeah. And we've done family therapy because the other the others don't want to come, and we've we've worked through stuff. I think it's all it's all beneficial um, if you can whoever's whoever's willing. It, it can make a big difference. Yep. Peter, thank you so much, man. I love that perspective and that input, and it's just such great wisdom for our church. So thanks for taking time yes. and speaking to us. Well, love you guys over there. Keep up the good work and uh, keep remembering that F is for family. Yep. So that's just some help as you get ready to enter into this holiday season of how you can deal with conflict, of, of some of those ways to de-escalate a tense situation whenever you're in those moments. And